0: Welcome to another episode of sales is not a dirty word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first time listener, hopefully you'll become a long time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at AliciaBarr.com. Our podcast is all about alternative sales strategy, whether that's workshopping with people like you or meeting with other sales experts to bring you real help that you can implement now. So in this episode, we're going to talk about intuitive sales with Sherry K Hoff. She is a transformational business coach known for inspiring intuition, vision, and massive action, and being a catalyst for personal and business growth, joy, and profits in a way that's fun, relaxing, and fulfilling. She uses both spiritual and practical techniques to obliterate blocks and create transformational change. Sherry is a business leadership, happiness, and inner game expert. She's overcome nearly dying and has made it her life mission to share the keys to happiness and success. Welcome to the big show. Sales is not a dirty word. It's so great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited you're here. So just a little background, everyone. I met Sherry and she is in Denver and we realized that we had very complimentary sales strategies, things that she shares with, with her, um, Clients and that she's learned in her own business, but it wasn't always like this for Sherry, um, which I'm sure many of you can also relate to. Um, there were other strategies she was told to use instead. And I would love to hear about your evolution over time. Yeah, so I've been in business for 14 years
1: and I my whole life, I mean, I could sell for other people. You know, I have a corporate background and some of what I did was selling, but when it came to selling my own stuff, you know, I think there was a little shift in mindset for me in the beginning. And I was so afraid to ask for the sale, you know, that I would have a strategy session and I wouldn't even say my prices or even, um, invite people to coach with me. (laughs) I would get off the phone and I would think, okay, great. They just think I'm a nice person. (laughs) And, (laughs) and I just gave them tons of great ideas. So, um, I think it took me about six months to get my first, you know, consistent, regular client. And I share that because if you're struggling and you wonder where the clients are, if I'm still here 14 years later, business is thriving. Um, i found my place in the world and so no matter how bad you are and there's no bad but i i mean i was pretty bad so i think that what happened for me the big evolution was to shift from that feeling of i'm asking people to pay me money to just totally coming from the place of serving of valuing what they're bringing to the table valuing what i bring to the table And just looking at each conversation, I started looking forward to each conversation that I would have with people, with just excited about that conversation instead of thinking ahead of like, what package am I going to try to offer them? Or what, you know, what am I going to try to sell them? Or what are their objections going to be? You know, we prejudge a lot. I mean, it's very easy to prejudge. So I just really shifted my whole focus to just being completely present focused completely focused on the other person and i just don't even think of it as sales it's just you know and i closed probably um some weeks 100 percent of the conversations that i have but at least you know probably between 50 and 75 percent of um, the conversations that i have with people and so I go into my conversations feeling like uh, you know I use a lot of um, abundance principles and intuitive, um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, where by the time I'm actually talking with somebody, they're pretty much a fit, and um, and I'm confident in that when I go into the conversation. So and there's a lot of things that happen to make that happen too. But yeah, so I. Um, I love it. I Like I said, I don't think of it as sales. I just think of it as finding fits and finding your community and um, trusting that the people that you're meant to serve are finding you also. But that doesn't mean you don't market and that you don't <laughs> that you don't have processes and systems, you know, but um, but really merging that all together um, creates a lot of massive success.
0: There's so much that you just said that I really agree with. Um, I I definitely always tell people to be present in the conversation, get out of your head. Don't worry about your agenda. It will not close if you've got another agenda in your mind and um, really focus on if it's a fit. It's a lot easier of a conversation. You just naturally ask the right questions when you're trying to understand what somebody's going through and if it's something that you can actually help with. Um, because you're not thinking about selling, you're thinking about helping, you don't have to have a script of questions. It's just like talking to a regular human, like you would anywhere. Um, so I love that you, you said that before, were you ever using like a script or a strategy that someone tried to handle you, hand you, or were you just going for it?
1: Well, I think in the beginning, I've just always felt allergic to scripts, yeah. like I. <laughs> and so then I actually evolved into using um, kind of a, like a, just a checklist because you know I love people and I could go off on a gazillion tangents in conversation, and so I would have like the sections of you know I really believe that when you have a conversation with someone, you be present, focused, but you're also the person preparing them for the conversation and guiding them through the conversation and so having you know at least like okay I know that first I'm going to talk about this and then I'm going to talk about this and um you know would keep me on track to make sure that at the end if I felt it was a fit that I would remember that I was supposed to tell people how they could work with me (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then and then eventually um you know I just you know, it's so second nature. I don't need a checklist to look at, but sometimes I keep it just because, you know, if you're not, um, you know, if you have one of those days where you're real scattered and it's easy to, you know, I mean, my husband had an act, he's fine, but he had an accident last week and I felt really scattered for two days on
0: times like that.
1: I would make sure I had a system or checklist because, you know, my mind could easily wander to worrying about him. So,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, I mean that sounds a lot like a I usually advise for frameworks. So, mm-hmm. it sounds a lot like that. And having just like a clear way that you communicate what you do um mm-hmm. planned out ahead of time. But um yeah, it, it's so funny that you say that you, you know, would talk to people and then not offer them business or be scared to because I think that is a really common problem and sometimes um it it clicks for people when I explain that um If you're really someone who takes care of your clients and cares, like you're doing them a disservice by not selling them because they're going to go to somebody who's better at sales and who isn't going to deliver fulfilled. So you're actually doing wrong by them. I think a lot of people feel like bad for selling them, but it's actually the other way around. Um, and it's so important to know how to communicate what you do with people so that you can quote unquote, sell them and help them. Basically, yeah, I,
1: well, that's a great point. And I think that when you're bringing your unique gifts to the world, you do make a difference. And, you know, since I've been doing this for 14 years and as my own company, I've had the experience of having conversations with people who have said no and then come back around three years later and they're in exactly the same spot that they were in before we had the conversation. But they didn't say yes and so i mean I, when i think about that it reminds me of not that i should have tried to sell her harder because i don't believe in that either but but it was a reminder that if we had worked together she wouldn't be in that same spot three years later and so um and then sometimes i when i'm talking in webinars i'll use that story because sometimes it triggers something with someone where they're like oh my gosh, I've been trying to solve the same problem for five years and I'm still in the same place. So in a way, it's kind of an anecdote that also helps along the conversation, um, like if you're selling from webinars, things like that. But but really, you know, the people that come across your path, you're meant to help them. And, um, you know, also when um, when we talk about intuitive selling, Sometimes people who are highly intuitive, I'm one of those people too, is we can, we can um, tap in where we get the feeling from someone of, you know, I'm broke, I'm broke, or I don't have any money, Um, and sometimes, as, as intuitive people will say, "Oh, well, I sense that this person can't afford me, so I'm not going to make my offer." Mm-hmm. The problem with that is you're you're intuiting into their thought process, and different people's levels of not being able to afford something is completely different. Like um, one person's level of broke might be, "I'm only making twenty thousand a month." Another person's level of broke might be, "I barely am putting food on the table." So we have to be careful. I, I always feel that if I'm really grooving with someone when I'm talking to them, I always give my offer. And sometimes it really is true that it's out of their price range, but I also feel like it honors them when they realize, you know, gosh, her coaching fee is, you know, this amount. And she just spent half an hour with me, um, you know, they they value the experience that they just had and, they, and it puts into motion it, and it plants a seed for potentially a sale down the road or maybe a downsell. You know, maybe they can't do your 15000 or $25,000 package, but they're thrilled with something that's $6,000 or $2,000 or even $500 if you have things at different price points. So um, that's just sort of like a little intuitive that just snuck in there to mention for your listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good point um, to have different levels and not everybody has the levels yet, but it still really helps them come back later. They know that what they have to save up in order to work with you and, and that kind of thing. So it sounds like your structure is a lot of times just like helping them and then talking about what that looks like on a larger scale or what is it? Like walk us through what a sales calls normally like for you. Yeah,
1: so um, I used to really help a lot on the call, like almost overwhelm the person because, you know, you want to sound like you know what you're doing. So you want to give them a gazillion ideas. Yeah. And then you're supposed to spend a half an hour and all of a sudden it's an hour and a half later Uh. and they're not your client because you just told them you know, 25% of everything, you know. know? (laughs) Um, So, so, um, so my strategy is really, of course, the beginning, just, um, you know, the rapport part, you know, getting comfortable with each other. And then I always say, I always tell them what we're going to do on the call. You know, like, I want to find out where you, where you are right now, where you want to go. What has been blocking you? What you think has been blocking you? And we'll talk about some solutions. And after we get through all of that, um, I, if it sounds good for both of us, I'll let you know how you can work with me. How does that sound? So it's like I always get permission mm-hmm. because first of all, they're out. Everyone, everyone, I don't care who it is, knows you're going to have an offer. And if you bring it up in the beginning, it takes all the pressure off because you already told them that you're gonna tell them about your products and services. And they've given you permission to do that. And, um, and then the next thing, and this is I think kind of like standard emotional process, but it's um, finding, uh, you know, people always wanna talk right away about what's wrong yes, in their life, do. but I always get them to talk about where they wanna be first. Because first of all, it's positive. But then when they're like, oh, you know, in, in two years, I want to take my company to 500,000 or, or, you know, whatever the goal is or 100,000, whatever it is. Um, and then you say, well, tell me how things are right now. That's when they're like, well, I haven't had my first client yet. Or, you know, I've been doing this for six months and I've had three clients and I'm really getting scared. And what happens is they can clearly see you know, the difference between where they are and where they want to be. And that's also something that helps people go, gosh, I have some things I could learn to be better. And so, um, and then after we've talked about that, I usually offer like, you know, two to three really solid solutions to whatever they were going through, and sometimes resources like a book or something. And then, um, and then when we get to that point, then I'll say, okay, well, here is, you know, how I think I can help you, or I'll ask, you know, how, um, if you could solve, you know, this, this, and this, um, would that be something that you'd like? You know, so kind of like a bridge in the conversation. And then, um, and all of this does not work unless you really are present and believing. So this is, it sounds like a strategy, but really it's like you said, a framework to stay on track. And And then when you... Offer what you're doing. I think the most important thing in anyone that I've ever worked with and even myself is to keep the energy at the, the same high level when you say what you do and what your price is. And But most people, their throat gets tight and their energy drops yeah, and yeah. they're not you know, fully in in their power. So you say, you know, to work with me, it's X amount of dollars per month or my package is this. And then you pause. Because a lot of times our natural inclination is to just rush to the next thing or, um, you know, but just waiting, you know, and sometimes like 10 seconds can um, seem like 100 hours, but just pausing. And oftentimes people will lean in and ask a question or they'll just tell you what it is that they're thinking. But if they don't, after you pause for a little bit, you can say, you know, what are your thoughts? And um, and a lot of people think this is where the conversation ends, but usually um, people will have something to say, like, um, you know, I'm, I have to ask my husband or I have to, you know, talk it over with my business partner or um, that's a lot of money for me right now. And so you don't want to give up on the person. I don't mean don't give up on the sale. I just kind of like give up, keep that out of there but don't don't have those words i'm giving up but keep the conversation going because it's still a conversation and however you end that conversation and and i always feel like when you can take a no as gracefully as a yes then you've nailed your whole process you know so it means you weren't invested into whether the person said yes or no and um and You know, there's rarely ever been a no, that's like a firm, no, I'm not interested in what you have to offer, but it might be, I have more questions, and then I always try to get a next appointment on the books, um, or at least permission, um, I usually say, well, within the next 24 hours, I'm going to send you a follow up email just going over everything that we said and my packages again so i'm telling i'm not even asking that i'm telling them within 24 hours they're going to get an email from me so then i don't sit there and go oh gosh you know i have to follow up with this person and it becomes a whole big thing i've already told them that um i also try to again set if they say that they you know need to talk to someone else or they need to think about it i get permission again to say well let's connect or get something on the schedule right now to talk about that in a week or two weeks or four weeks um you know there's this school of thought like I want to say about 10 years ago people were like you got to close them right away on the phone Mm -hmm. and you know or however you're talking to them and I do that a lot but I think Especially the more money it is, I like to think, like I actually have a rule for myself that I will not say yes when I have a conversation with somebody because that keeps me from being impulsive and that I always give myself a day and you know, or or longer. And so why wouldn't I, um, you know, naturally be completely fine if someone else said that they needed a day or two or three days to think about it? So if, if that happens to you and someone says, well, I need a day or two to think about it, don't in your mind go, oh my gosh, the sale is done. Because I'm finding consumers are so savvy. They know what they want and when they want it and they're more empowered than they've ever been before. And so I think it's natural for people to say, I think it's natural for people to say yes right away. But I also think it's natural for people to say, uh, I need to think about it for a little bit. I had one person, one of my dearest clients, I had no idea, but she interviewed 10 coaches before she hired me. She didn't tell me that when we first talked, but she said, well, let's talk in a week. And then a week later, she said, yes, I want to move forward. But I was like wow that's that's really thorough you know yeah um, and you know where i'm more my own personality style is to totally make the decision intuitively you know rather than vet 10 people i might talk to like two or three (laughs) right
0: Yeah. Okay. So it's like, you know, set the agenda and expectations and then, um, talk to them about where they want to be instead of where they are and then talk to them about where they are and then, you know, bridge the conversation. Like we'll give them a few solutions and say, would you want to, to talk more about how we can solve that? Mm -hmm. And then talk more about solving it and have a plan for follow-up, but there's some intuition in there. So explain to me the intuition part. Right. So everyone has
1: intuition. I mean, we all do. And, um, you know, I have some people say, I don't have any intuition. They'll say that to me, but (laughs) we all have some intuition. And the more you use it, the more it grows. But for, you know, I feel like people who are attracted to you and people who are attracted to me already are pretty highly intuitive people. And they want to use that intuition because if you tell someone like that to be, super structured and rigid it's not going to work with that type of person already so um, one of the things i do is i always get my head in the right place before i get on the call and i ask the question i just kind of close my eyes and i would say you know what does alicia need for me today you know and i don't sit there and try to think about it or analyze it i'll just ask the question and since the question's been asked during the call, there's likely lots of like intuitive hits that are coming through. And so sometimes, you know, like when I say I give one to three strategies, sometimes intuitively, I feel this person needs a little more. This person really needs like five or six strategies, or this person really um, is going through something really emotional right now, and we need to process through that. You know, like, um, you know, and I might, I usually don't go, well, intuitively, I feel like you're really struggling with whatever, but I'll, but I'll say, it seems like, you know, it seems like you're really stressed about your sales, or it seems like you're really stressed about your business, or it seems like there might be something else going on. And if you give people the space to talk about that, they'll talk through it and be more ready for, you know, what's next for their business.
0: Yeah. I love that asking the, um, the question beforehand, like making you more in tune to noticing the cues. There's definitely something there. Um, I always let people know that they need to use their intuition as far as like digging in deeper and stuff like that, because it's just, it's just impossible to script out every question that you could ever ask. And you need to let your, um, natural curiosity kind of take over, Um, and, and really like, if this was somebody that you met somewhere, what kind of question like, or a friend, what kind of questions would you ask to uncover that that person, like what they need, basically, Mm -hmm. um, you wouldn't have the agenda of selling. So it would look a little different. And, um, I love that, that you can kind of tap into that ahead of time instead of like, just there's a strategy for tapping into it ahead of time, instead of just going with it or hoping that it comes to you on the call. So that's really cool. Um, and I agree. Everybody has an intuition. It's um, the more I lean into it, the more I realize that it's almost never wrong. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think never, I think I can say hyperbole never I've. And now looking back, there's all those times that people were like, Oh, you're just reading into it. You know how people say that. And I know now that I was not just reading. Into right.
1: it. <laughs> and I think that comes
0: to trusting yourself. And there
1: has been, you know, like I said, I have a really good vetting process. Um, But there have been a couple of times where I've gotten on the phone with someone and immediately I knew I did not want to work with that person. Not that, you know, I feel like every single person I talk to is pretty cool and has a cool business, but like, um, you know, if someone's like, um, well, I've had 10 coaches and they've all been wrong, you know, I mean, then Mm. to me, it's like, okay this person is not ready to be coached because 10 it could happen that 10 people could be wrong but um you know usually there's some value in almost every experience that you have and if people don't see that you know I usually then I totally shift gears in my conversation and I just focus on just serving and giving a couple strategy sessions and a couple resources and Oftentimes I won't even say what my packages are or if they'll say, oh, you know, if I do want to work with you, you know, what is it? And of course I'll tell them, but already, you know, so that isn't, I used to think, is that giving up on the selling process? And no, it's using your intuition because the biggest thing too in our businesses is we get to pick who we work with. And if, you know, we don't have to work with difficult people or high maintenance people or people who you know, aren't kind or, or sometimes even people who need other kinds of help. I mean, there are people who maybe they need to work with a therapist first and, you know, get to, um, the root of what's going on for them. So,
0: yeah, I always say like, if your only requirement is that your client has a credit card, you are in trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, because it really, in the case of a service provider, it is a lot like a marriage and, you know, you need to figure out if you guys are a good fix, you're about to spend a lot of time together and it could be miserable if you were not a match. Um, so I totally agree having, you know, life will arrange itself around the standards that you set for yourself. So, um, those nightmare clients can definitely be, um, more draining and cost you more money. The money is never worth it. Um, and most people have to make that mistake at least once, usually more than once, um, before they're like, never again. And they know like who is not a good fit for them.
1: Well, and, and your nightmare client might be someone else's ideal client. Like I, I, I have a, I have a colleague who she loved, the more difficult the person, the more she loves working with them. I mean, she's fantastic at it. And she looks at it as a big puzzle. And she doesn't get emotionally involved in, you know, any of like, any kind of drama that could happen. And so thank God, you know, you know, and so I refer people to her when, you know, when I feel like, okay, there's a lot going on here. And this person isn't, going to be my ideal client, but I know my colleague over here can really just be amazing for her or
0: him. So. Yeah. What an interesting niche. Um, I help difficult people <laughs> like yeah. who so selects. I'm sure there are, they're like, I- I'm difficult. I can't. Yeah. So. there, Yeah. There are, there are people. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, I think that's a really good place to stop. Um, And so we've reached the end of yet another episode of sales is not a dirty word. And this was the podcast about intuitive sales. And we've been talking with Sherry Hoff. So thanks again to Sherry for making an appearance as our guest today. Um, Sherry, can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you?
1: Sure, sure. So um, it's SherryKHoff.com. And, you know, everyone spells Sherry different. So it's sherikayehof com. And if you go to the website and scroll down like half, you know, maybe a third of the way down the page, there's a little tab that says free business coaching, um, you can take advantage of a complimentary session with me. Or you can take my free masterclass, which has five keys to explosive business growth. And, um, and those are probably the two best ways to kind of get to know my style and whether it's a fit or not.
0: Yeah. And I can say, I, um, you know, met with Sherry and she is extremely generous and has wonderful insights. So that is a very, um, legitimate offering. She's not kidding. Um, so Finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Sales is Not a Dirty Word podcast. So we show you how to customize sales to your personality, service, and audience and um, sell a whole lot more without pain pitching or pretending to be somebody else.